Just a little talk with Jesus. Just imagine you're sitting around the campfire. You got your favorite drink in your hand. Maybe it's a beer. Maybe it's a coffee. Maybe it's a sweet tea. And Jesus is there. And you get to ask him any question you want to ask him. What's the question that you'd ask him? That's the premise of this series. I asked this question on Facebook about a month and a half ago and got almost 400 different comments. And since I am a man of the people, and I knew I had four weeks, I took the top three answers, and I answered those questions over the last three weeks. Why do bad things happen to good people? Can God really forgive me of my past? What happens when we die? Today I'm going to answer the question that I would ask Jesus. It's a question that I have struggled with for a long time. And I'm excited about the message. I pride myself on being a preacher. I'm not a speaker. Those are speakers. I'm not a teacher. If you came here today to get educated and go in depth on the Bible by some great teacher, you're at the wrong place. I've always prided myself on the fact that I'm a preacher. I'm going to take God's word. I'm going to make it real, real simple. We're going to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf where everyone can have one. And we're just going to have a good time. I pride myself on the fact that at Action Church, we cover a lot of topics that most churches won't cover. I always find it funny to me when people say we water down stuff and we don't talk on a hard truth. We've covered about everything you can cover in this book. And I believe we've done a good job, whether it's me teaching or someone else teaching, of backing it up with the Bible. And I say all that to say this. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had to be out of my element. I've had to put on my teacher cap, and I don't enjoy that. We've had to get deep into some subjects. I like to teach the Word of God and make it practical. I want someone to walk into this church, and even if they don't believe there's a God, I want them to leave here knowing, man, I don't know that I believe there's a God, and I don't know that I believe that book he's teaching from, but I can take those principles that he just gave me, and I can apply them to my everyday life. And that's been a little bit hard over the last couple of weeks because it's been a more educational type series. Today we're going to do a little bit of preaching. We're going to answer the question that I have been asking God for years. Some of you may word it differently than I do. Some of you may word it a little more diplomatically than I do. Some of you may not like the way I word it today, and that's okay. I will not apologize for the way it's worded, and if you decide you don't like it, we just might not be the church for you. Matter of fact, if you don't like it and this offends you, you're really going to be offended over the next couple of weeks. If I could sit down, crack open a Reformation beer with God, with Jesus, and ask him one question, I'd simply look him in the face and I'd ask him this. Why do most Christians suck? Why do most Christians suck? I didn't expect to get a lot of amen. As a matter of fact, I expected people to get a little uncomfortable because i got to be honest with you, it's a little uncomfortable to say in church, is it not? Most of us, the large majority of us here, would call ourselves Christians. I assume that's why you're in church. But I stand by the question. Now, like I said, you might ask it different. You might ask why most Christians are such a pain. Why are Christians such jerks? Why can Christians be so mean? Why can Christians be so stupid? I prefer why do most Christians suck? 
And I got to be real honest with you today. I wish it wasn't a question that I was asking. I actually feel guilty for asking the question. I feel like it's kind of an inappropriate question. But it's a question I get asked a lot from other people. And it's a question I ask a lot. The reality is, and you might find this surprising coming from a preacher or coming from a pastor or coming from someone who is the leader of a church, but the reality is I just don't like most Christians. I don't like what they stand for. I don't like how they stand for what they stand for. I don't like how they act. I don't like how most Christians... And let me be very clear to you about something today. I intentionally chose the word most. Because it's not some. It's not a few. I'm swiping with broad strokes here. My wife says that when her and I have arguments, which is very rare, because I'm always right, But she says when we have arguments that I tend to swipe in broad strokes. She'll do something once and I'll be like, you always do this. Gets her fired up. So I understand I'm swiping in broad strokes today, but I stand by it. I intentionally chose the word most. I don't like that most Christians think they're better than everyone I don't like the way most of them dress. I don't like the way they talk. It's like they develop their own language called Christianese. It only happens on Sunday morning. How you doing, brother? Just here for the fellowship today. Glory to God. It's such a it's the day the Lord has made. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the music they listen to. Let's just be honest. Let's just say what everyone say. Christian music overall is horrible. You can flip through the station, instantly know you're listening to Christian music because it's horrible. Now, I think it's got better. I'm really into some of the worship music that's out nowadays. But overall, it's bad. I just don't like most Christians. I don't like how they come across. And I ask myself often, why do most Christians suck? Bono, the lead singer of U2, said this, Christians are hard to tolerate. I don't know how Jesus does it. Now, most of you will know who this next person is, but you will act like you don't because we're in church. But the porn star Ron Jeremy said, I actually dig Jesus. It's his followers that I can't stand. I get it. Pastor Paul Young Chow, he pastored before his death the largest church in the world. Over 100,000 people on Sunday mornings. Did you hear what I just said? Over 100,000 people on Sunday mornings. He was interviewed one time. And the interviewer asked him, how many hours a day do you spend in prayer? Pastor Paul said, I spend six hours a day in prayer. Let me tell you what I don't spend six hours a day doing. Evidence is we probably don't have 100,000 people here. Like, that's mind-blowing to me. Six hours a day. Like, I don't sleep six hours a day. And he's praying six hours a day. The interviewer then asked him, six hours a day? Now, remember... Godly man, largest church in the world. And the interview asked him, they said, you spent six hours a day in prayer? Why? Pastor Paul Young Chow said, my church is so very big with very many people and I hate so many of them. I must pray six hours a day. 
So it's not just me. The reality is, if you were to be honest today, you can't stand most Christians either. Christians in general have become embarrassing. I was thinking about why it is I don't like it, because I don't want to just have a thought of like to get to the root of the issue of why I don't like it. I think one of the reasons I don't like most Christians or why I think most Christians suck is they're just judgmental. Can I get an amen? They're judgmental. Most Christians come across as holier than thou. They think they're better than everyone. Most Christians love to point out everyone else's mistakes, but not theirs. The Christian army is the only army that shoots its own. It's funny, they don't just attack non-Christians. Most Christians spend most of their time attacking Christians. I can tell you story after story on Christians attacking Christians. Hell, I've had fake websites made in my name. Fake Twitter accounts made in my name. Attacking what I do. You say, how do you feel about that? I kind of like it. <laughs> I'm ego-driven. I got an email from a parent of someone who attended this church one time. I saved it. It's on my desktop on my computer. I open it up every now and then, and I read it because I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to remind myself who we're trying to reach and who we're not trying to reach. I copied the letter. Here's what it said. Dear Pastor Gary, let me go ahead and tell you how I know a letter's never going to start good. When they refer to me as Pastor Gary. I know we're going sideways somewhere in the letter. Dear Pastor Gary, my son has been attending your church. I want you to hear what she said. I prayed for 15 years that my son would be saved and start attending church. When he told me he was attending church, I was overjoyed in the Lord, Christianese, for happy. Week after week, he would come home telling me about the glorious things that he learned. He was so excited to be baptized that I had to attend. So far, so good. We're about to take a a sharp right turn. (laughs) He was so excited to be baptized that I had to attend. Now remember, before we go any further, Mama been praying for 15 years for her son to get into church. Mama's been praying for 15 years for God to use somebody to connect with her son, to point him to Jesus, and her son to meet Jesus. And for whatever reason, it seemed like God chose to use this ragtag group of people to do that. You think she would be happy. You think she would be excited. You think she would be overjoyed. You think she would be beyond grateful that God chose us to use messed up people to impact her child's life. Now, when her son meet Christ, he decided, I'm going to go public with my faith. She's going to come celebrate. He was so excited to be baptized that I had to attend. I was horrified with what I saw. (laughs) I understand that sentiment. I feel that way every Sunday morning. Your building did not have one cross anywhere. Okay. The music sounded like something I would hear at the local bar. Now, I don't know how she knows that if she's never been to a local bar. (laughs) I cannot believe you wore a T-shirt on stage. Son, she's been praying for for 15 years now. Don't forget that. Whatever happened, Pastor Gary, 
Now we're reiterating, Pastor Gary. We know we're about to get really bad. <laughs> to giving God your best. And the icing on the cake was seeing you walk around during the lunch after baptisms with shorts on and a tattoo covering your leg. I thought you were a man of God, but I just don't see it. <laughs> me either. She went on to give me a bunch of biblical verses on the evils of tattoos and blah, 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 blah. And then I love how she signed it. In the Lord. So-and-so. I won't say her name. Christians can just be judgmental. Like, man, they're hard to love. It's almost like we delight in watching other Christians mess up. They're judgmental. And then let's just be honest. Second thing is Christians can just be weird. They can be weird. By the way, this is just the introduction. I promise I'm going to get to some Bible verses here in a minute. We ain't even to the sermon yet. I hope the crop pot was on low today, baby. Christian TV is a perfect example of just Christians are weird. Christians on Facebook is really an example of Christians can just be weird. Like I said, they have their own language, they're Christianese. They have their own dress. When I, when I gave my life to Christ, I've told you this before, I, I was seeing a lady or seeing a girl and I went to the church and it was Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. If you don't know what an Independent Fundamental Baptist Church is, it means they took the, the Baptists like Southern Baptists how many think Southern Baptists are very conservative? Very conservative? They thought they were liberal and decided we're not even going to be part of the Southern Baptists. We're going to be independent Baptists and make up all these rules. So like they even had their own clothing. Like girls had to wear these things. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They were called culottes. Does anybody know what culottes are? Mm-hmm. Culottes were these big baggy shorts because we could not see the outline of a female's body because we might fall into sin. Well, you couldn't even see knees. These were ankles, Ron. These were ankles, son. Okay. It, it was just crazy. They had their own clue. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I gave my life to Christ. Had to wear a suit and tie. I was poor. So I'll never forget, many of you might not even know what this place is, especially young people. There used to be this place called J.C. Penney's. Anybody remember J.C. Penney's? God, I forget we're old now. We know about J.C. Penney's. I went to J.C. Penney's to get me a dress shirt. And they had a blue dress shirt. And for whatever reason, blue dress shirts were on sale that day. I can still remember the price. A white dress shirt was $19.99. And the blue dress shirt was on sale for $7.99. I bought the blue dress shirt. Had me some khaki pants and bought me a yellow and blue tie. I look like a pimp. Like only I can. And I showed up at church excited. Excited. I didn't know how to tie a tie. There was no YouTube back then. The bottom of the tie was tall, was longer than the front of the tie. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was proud of myself. Dressing like a Christian is how Christians dress. And I showed up and a man pulled me outside. He said, can I talk to you, son? I said, he goes, I like the effort you're putting in. I said, well, okay, I appreciate it. He said, but listen, we wear white shirts here. I said, but this blue one was $7.99. He goes, next thing you know, you'll be wearing whatever you want to wear. They can't even start in the blue. Like, the blue shirt was liberal. Like, they're just weird. Have you ever seen, like, the TV evangelist with, like, their helmet hair? It's weird. And then, now we have... The contemporary church, the modern church. And and the pastors literally dress like they're going to the club. Not that I know what going to the club is like. But it's weird. Like 60-year-old men in skinny jeans. Like weird, it's just weird, man. It's just weird how they dress. Trying to dress like our community. No one in Canton dresses like that. Let me tell you how weird it was. At my last church, part of my salary, it was a larger church, 
Part of my salary was a clothing allowance every month because the elders did not think I should wear the same clothes more than one Sunday because I didn't look good on television. Now, you can tell we're a poor church now because I basically only have Columbia shirts in every color, and I wear them every week, and then I put the Marty McFly vest on, and we're good to go. Okay? Like, there's just not a lot. There's no clothing allowance at Action Church, I can promise you. We're lucky to have an electric (laughs) allowance. Which is weird. Which is weird. Christians are weird. People are going through everything, and and you you think we'd be the ones to help them, but we don't even help them. We're just like, we'll pray for you. That's like our out on everything, is it not? Praying for you. (laughs) So, you know, they can be judgmental. They can be weird. Why do most Christians suck? I mean, man... The big thing is they can be hypocritical. Hypocritical. They'll say one thing and do another. They'll tell you how you should live. Behind the scenes, they're living like hell. It's funny, man. They're hypocrites. But they play the part. That's why I don't try to tell you how to live. I'm going to be the king of messing up around here. They're weird. They're judgmental. They're hypocritical. But as I scan the room today, I've got to be honest with you, there's one Christian I can't stand more than any. There's one that just almost irritates me. It's one that puts me in a mood. Makes my blood boil. Because everything I can't stand about Christians, at one time or another, this person has been. Don't worry, it's not any of you. I'm talking about me. Got a little nervous, didn't you? It's me. Man, when I think about Christians sucking, man, I I think sometimes I can be all of those things. I don't want to be those things. But, man, I can be judgmental from time to time. God knows I'm weird. I can be hypocritical. I hate it. I don't want to be. But as I start thinking about the things that I don't like in most Christians, man, I can't help but look back in the mirror and think, man, I'm so guilty of all those things. <laughs> There's things I do and it just makes me want to beat myself up. Man. I say things I shouldn't say and I hate that. I do things I shouldn't do and I hate that. I do something and I feel like it hurts the cause of Christ and I hate that. As much as I love Jesus and I dig being a Christ follower, there's days I just suck at being a Christian. It can be frustrating. So as I was thinking about that question and what I would ask Jesus, I really was just thinking about what I'd tell myself. See, because you know something like any good Christian? I'm real good about pointing out the faults in others. And ignoring the faults in my own life. So today we're going to answer that question. Why do most Christians suck? But we're going to answer that question by looking and asking, why do we suck as Christians? You know, the first thing I think is, I think we simply forget the main point about ourselves. I think we forget the main point about ourselves. The Bible says this in 1 Peter. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. The Bible said, hey, hey, don't conform to the way you were before Christ. But remember, you serve a holy God who transforms us. And what happens is, is we come along and we forget that main point about us. Have you ever thought about that word holy? The church talks about it a lot. They throw it out a lot. But you've heard me say this too. The English language is very limiting. 
Of all the languages out there, the English language is one of the most non-descriptive languages there are. You've heard me use this example before. Take the word love, for example. I love Christine. I also love pizza. Same word. But they mean two different things. Or they better mean two different things. I don't love pizza the way I love Christine. It's good news for her. Now, don't get me wrong, and I love some pizza. You don't get a body like this not loving pizza. But I love Christina in a different way. It's actually, the word we use for love actually comes from three different words in the Bible because it was so descriptive. There's a passionate love. There's a brotherly love. I like that passionate love, though. That eros love is what it's called. There's that common bond love. So we have a very nondescriptive. So I think sometimes we hear the word holy, and we don't necessarily understand what it means. Here's what the word holy means. In the original language, it literally means sacred. It means pure, morally blameless, consecrated, and set apart. I need to be always asking myself, if I don't want to be a Christian who sucks, I need to remind myself the main point about myself. Am I living a life that is truly set apart and different from the rest of the world? Now, let me tell you where this church screwed this up. We base this on outward appearance. The church said, put culottes on and you look different than the world. No, you look weird. The church said, don't ever go to a place that serves alcohol, even though God created all the ingredients to make alcohol. Someone said, are you against alcohol? The Bible just says, don't be drunk. That's a different subject for a different day. Johnny's not preaching at First Baptist Woodstock anymore, so I can preach on that subject. Him not pre- Last time I preached on that subject, he spent the entire next Sunday preaching against me. So maybe I'll cover that real soon. I'm just going to hit everybody today. We're to be set apart. It doesn't mean to be a kook. It doesn't mean I think I'm better than other people. It doesn't mean I'm to be a prude. It just means when people see me and they see that I'm living the same life they're living and I'm having the same struggles they're having and facing the same issues that they're having, whether they're marital issues or issues wanting to kill my kids or I'm having financial issues or career issues or whatever kind of issues, am I simply handling myself in a way that's different than they would? Are they looking at me saying, man, I don't understand how he deals with the same problems I deal with, the same issues I deal with, goes through the same struggles that I go through, but there's just something different about how he goes through them. Yeah, because I'm set apart. Do they see my lifestyle as different? Do they see my purpose as different? I do a lot of business consulting, a lot of coaching of young entrepreneurs, and it's always funny to me because they don't understand. They're like, what well, do you do this, this, and this for the money? I say, I don't ever do it for the money. I'm a big fan of money. I don't worship money, but I like to eat. I like to have a roof over my head. I like to have a car that is not going to break down on me. By making money, it gives me the freedom to live the life that I want to live, but I don't ever do anything for money. Money's not my purpose in life. I feel like my purpose in life is to create community for people. Everybody has a different purpose. Hence why I do events, to create community. See, when you know your purpose, the money just comes. I don't think you heard what I just said. I said when you know your purpose and you live your purpose, the money just takes care of itself. If you chase money, you'll never catch it. When I quit worrying about money, I started making more money than I ever made in my life. But I want people to look at me and know that I'm purpose-driven. Do they see my demeanor as different? People tell me all the time, and I'm sorry if this offends you, not really. But I've been called the nicest asshole in Canton. Christine, people introduce me to that all the time, do they not? I am an a-hole. 100%, no apologies. 
But I'm not an a-hole that just has this weird something different about me. I'm going to put your company out of business if you're my competitor. And then I'm going to come along and help you pay your bills because I'm going to feel bad that I put you out of business. Just something different. My demeanor is different. Christine can tell you over and over and over how many times people have come out against me, enemies, and I find out they go through something and all these things, I'm the first one to reach out to them. I don't say that in a bragging way. It's just I want the world to see something different about me. I don't like you, but the Bible says I'm to love you. You say you can't love someone if you don't like them. Sure, I do it all the time. Most of y'all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Only Yvonne. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Faye told me to quit picking on Yvonne, so I had to. Um, do they see my marriage is different? Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say do they see my marriage is perfect. I didn't say do they see my marriage is having it all together. I said do they see my marriage is different. Meaning when we go through those less than perfect times, we handle ourselves different because we're set apart because Christ is the center. They see my goals in life, my pursuits is different. See, if you're truly following Jesus, there'll be a radical difference in you. I'm going to repeat what I just said because I think that's a missing message in the church nowadays. If you're truly following Jesus, there will be a radical difference in your life. The problem is we don't have Christ followers anymore. We have Christians. Christians come to church on Sunday mornings because it's their duty. It's their religious obligation. Christ followers follow the way of Jesus. They don't see things like the world sees them. Jesus said if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. Now he did not say in the process of turning the other cheek that you could not knock them out. So you've got to read between the lines. Between the lines. It's crazy when you look at Christians and look at non-Christians. The sad thing is, really, there's not much difference in them. I saw some stats this week. People who volunteered at nonprofits in the last month, who, who served and gave of their time, 27% of Christians did. 29% of non-Christians did. See not much difference. Donated to a nonprofit whether that be their church or somewhere else in the last year. 48% of Christians did. 47% of non-Christians did. Not much difference. Gave money to the poor in the last year. 34% of Christians did. 27% of non-Christians did. See what I'm saying? The world looks and they don't see any difference between Christians and non-Christians and say, well, why would I want to be part of that? I don't see any difference in that. The Bible says in Ephesians, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because they are improper to God's holy people. You should, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. They're saying there ought to be something different about us. Someone said, well, you coarse talk all the time. My question is, who says what something is coarse? That's an eye of the beholder. See how you can justify things? There ought to be something different. See, here's what I've learned as I look inward. We tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. Mm. We tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. We love to judge people who sin differently than we do. See, I need to look at myself. I, I need to realize the main point of myself is that I am supposed to be separate. The Bible says we live in this world, but we're not to be of this world. The Bible ought to, the, or the people in our community ought to look to us. And listen, I, again, I'm not saying what the church has made being a Christian, but they ought to look and say there's something different about them. Their generosity is different. Their spirit's different. The way they handle themselves is different. The way they do whatever when being attacked is different. If the world cannot see any difference between us and an unbelieving world, then we have failed. And no wonder most Christians suck because we suck. If we act just like the world, that's on us. I think the other thing is we forget the main point about others. 
So we forget the main point about ourselves, but we also forget the main point about others. We forget that God calls us to be radically, don't miss this, we are called to be radically others-focused. Problem is, we're focused on ourselves. The Bible says in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Boy, that goes against everything that is in our human nature. To value other, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Leave that verse up, please, whoever's running the screen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. We're to live a life that is about others. Let me give you a newsflash statement today. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this statement. Life is not about you. You might think it is. You might want it to be. And that's the problem and why most Christians suck. Because we think everything is about us. I want this. I desire that. If it feels good, do it. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't care who is affected by what I do as long as it makes me happy in doing it. But our life is to be others-focused. You can't live a life following Christ and not be about others. It's a sacrifice to put others first. So many times, man, and it's one of the areas I think I've grown in. I still have to do something because I want to feed my ego. I want to feed my pride. I want to feed what I want to do. But I'm learning over time, man, the more I do for others, the better I am. You can't outgive God. You can't out be generous to God. When you say, well, what if they take advantage? That's between them and God. I get a kick out of every time that we do the Thanksgiving dinners. We'll feed 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 families. And people will gather and we'll start serving. And four or five out of 2,000 will take advantage. They'll take a meal that they weren't supposed to take. They'll send someone else to come through the line. And so many times, you allow those people, those five people, those less than 1% of the crowd, to rob you of your joy of all the people we got to serve. They're taking advantage. Let them take advantage. Who cares? You act like you went and bought all that stuff. Here's your $10 back for your turkey you bought at Ingalls. Golly. They come here, man. They needed food, but they had... Oh, it's my... my oh. <laughs> Got a new cell phone. They had money for cigarettes. Got money for what they wanted. I don't answer for them. I ain't the Holy Spirit. I ain't God. It ain't my problem to worry about. You know what I'm responsible for? Me. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. That's the problem with some of y'all. Y'all want to be the righteous police. You want to lecture instead of love. You know how many times people have loved me when I was unloved, when I was on my own way, doing my own thing and didn't deserve any love? Had it not been for people coming along and loving me in spite of that, I wouldn't be here today. The church, here's the problem with most Christians. So many problems with them. Most Christians want to change people instead of allowing God to change them. You don't got the power to change them. You didn't die on the cross for their sins. And oh, by the way, you ain't got it together either. You know something I've learned more and more and more? Everybody is effed up. Everybody. The people you think got it together, they got more skeletons in their closet than you've ever seen. We don't got skeletons in our closet because we're just crazy and parade them on the front porch, baby. I need the closet for shoes. I put the skeletons on the front porch. Chris, 
Christine and I got blessed with moving in this old fancy neighborhood. And I told them when the neighbors came over the first time, all, all of them to gather. Oh, we're so glad you're in the neighborhood. They left, and I said, I told her, I said, oh, no, we the white trash of this neighborhood now. I'm about to hang some Daryl Earnhardt sheets in the window. <laughs> they don't know. But you know what I've learned living in that big fancy neighborhood where everyone acts like they got together? They don't. They just hide it better. We too dumb to hide it. We ain't too dumb to hide it. We've created an environment where you don't got to hide it because you know you're going to be loved no matter what. Mm. See, the problem with us and us being Christians when it comes to others is we judge instead of loving. I never see where the Bible says I'm to judge, but I see all over the place where it says I'm to love. It's easy to love people that are lovable, but the Bible don't say love the lovable. It says love everybody. It says love people. Love God, love people. That means you've got to love them when they're unlovable. Well, you're enabling them. I Trust me, baby. Have you ever done anything with me? You know I don't enable anybody. I will get in your face. I will cut you off, but I will love you in the process. Literally, I have friends of mine that are like, why do those people keep coming to you? I just heard how you talk to them. I said, they keep coming because they know I love them. And if I love you, I'm going to speak truth into your life. And if you love me, you better speak truth into my life. Because if you don't feel like you can speak truth into my life, then we don't have a love relationship. Love gives me the freedom to talk truth. Because while I'm talking truth, I'm going to be in the gutter with you. I'm going to go in the crack house and pull you out. I'm going to tell you that you're messing up, but hey, you're messing up, but I'm here with you the whole time. We judge rather than love. We shoot our own wounded. I never understood the church people mess up, and they need the love of us more than ever, and that's when we boot them. Makes no sense to me. We shoot our wounded. It's almost like people delight when those they deem as Christians mess up and it's public. It's really just a reflection of their own insecurity. They want to get the light off of them and put it on someone else. If I, if I shine the spotlight on their mess-ups, then no one will notice my mess-ups. If I can beat them down, then no one will notice, maybe they won't understand that my marriage sucks. Or, how about this? You know why sometimes we get mad at people when they mess up? We really get mad that they had the balls to do what we didn't want to do anyway. We thought about doing it. And they actually did it. And we shoot our wounded. And then we just get to the point where we stop caring. I think that's one of the hardest things in loving people and meeting people where they're at. Is you can get to the point where you're jaded at it. It's funny, I have lots of friends in the nonprofit world. And I know sometimes they think I'm jaded about it. It's not that I'm jaded. I've been doing this 17 years. I just know the drill now. But make no mistake about it, I still care. But if I don't catch myself and keep my ego in check, it's real hard for me to get so jaded that I no longer care. You know, the greatest thing for me continuing to care was to realize it's not my job to change them. When we run that shelter here, it will wear you out. First year we ran that shelter, I thought I could change every one of the homeless people who walked in here. I could make them want to get jobs and make them want to go to work and make them want to get clean. And you'll drive yourself crazy because if you want it more than they do, there's nothing you can do for them. Now you know what I feel like when they come through that door? Here's a cot. Here's a hot meal. You can check in at 5 o'clock. You can leave at 8.30. Can we stay a little bit longer? No, you can leave at 8.30. Can we? No, you cannot. You can have a cot and you can have food. You know why I give them a cot and I give them food? Because we care. But I just realized it's not my job to change them. It's my job to love them. The way I love them is saying, hey, when no one else will let you come in, you come stay in our building. 
I'm going to make sure you have good food. We're going to make sure you have good food. We're going to make sure you stay warm tonight. Anything else that comes along is just icing on the cake that we can give you, but tomorrow you leave. But when I, when I, when I try to change them, I get jaded. I get frustrated. I went back and ran some numbers. Are they just in my head? That should always scare you anytime you get in your own head, especially my head. I am willing to bet of all the people that have come through this shelter in the last 10 years, 15% of them, 15% are no longer homeless. That's it, 15%. Got their own place. Got a job. But guess what? Those 15% had their life changed because of what we've done. Because what God called us to do. And oh, guess what about the other 85%? In some cases, they're still alive because of what we did. They might not have changed their life like we thought they ought to change their life. Christine and I were down here back in December. This guy pulls up in a truck and he walks in. And he said, I mean, Christine, was it four days before Christmas? It was right before Christmas. We'd already done all our Christmas stuff. He said, hey, I, I was told you guys might help with Christmas. And I said, man, we've helped everybody. I, we're kind of done. I don't know that we can round up anything. And I, I knew he mentioned how many kids he had, and I saw the look on Christine's face, and I knew we helping his family for Christmas. So maybe being the good husband that I am, I looked at her and said, that's on you. <laughs> you handle it. She handled it. God never mentioned this. Christine works it out, gets all the things. So many of you helped make that happen. Guy shows up. Now listen, he's still living pretty rough. But he's got a place to live. Had custody of his kids. Had a vehicle to drive. Tears are coming down his face. He said, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. He goes, do you remember me? I said, I don't. I'm sorry. He said, about nine years ago, I had nowhere to go. And I stayed in your church building in your shelter. And now I have custody of my kids. And I have a job I go to. And I have a place that I live. And I have a truck that I drive. And it just reminded me that it's just my job to love. Not my job to change. The problem is why we suck so bad as Christians is we forget the truth about others. It's just our job to love them. Luke 6 says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This church lives that out. You know how I know? Because I've been the other. I've shared things with you that if you had any sense at all, you would have left this church. I'm talking about things about myself. I've got on this stage and told you struggles I had where I've had friends tell me, if you do that, you'll no longer have a church to preach at. And I said, well, I can't be a fake. I guess I won't have a church to preach at because I'm telling them. And all you've done is just love me through it and love my wife through it and love others through it as they went through things. And so when I come across somebody who's struggling... And I think, how am I supposed to respond to them? I remind myself how you've responded to me. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the island of misfit toys. This is the badge of honor that we wear. We don't do fake around here. We don't do religious around here. We are broke, busted, and disgusted, imperfect people. If you're looking for the perfect church, baby, you found the wrong place. No, by the way, if you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it because it'll no longer be perfect. You say, you don't know anything about me. Here's what I know. You were desperate enough you rolled up in this place. We the last resort, baby. Man, why do most Christians suck? We forget the truth about ourselves. We forget the main point about others. And last and I'm done, I'm hungry. 
We forget the main point about church. Most Christians suck because we forget the truth about ourselves. We're to be separate. We forget the truth about others. We're to love them no matter what. And we definitely forget the truth about what the church is supposed to be. We tend to think the church should be built on what we want. Very rarely when we're looking for a church do we ask God, is this the church you want me at? We go find a church who meets our comfort zone. I like the music. I like the preacher. I like the building. Talking to someone that I said, man, what do you go to that church for? I was just curious. I wasn't judging. He said, I love that I can slide in and slide out and no one knows I'm there. That's cool. Nothing wrong with that. I've been there. I've had a stage in my life where I want to slide in and slide out. I said, I wonder what would happen if you asked God where God wants you. Because this guy's talented. This guy's got the call of God over his life. and It's a waste for him to be sliding in and sliding out. problem when the church becomes all about us is the church loses focus. The pastor thinks he's got to get on stage and keep everybody happy to get his salary. Really what happens to most pastors is they're just basically prostitutes. I'm not going to lose my salary. People ask me all the time, why do you run these businesses? Because I'll never answer to you over money. Ever. Ever. You can run me off. Someone say, how do we get rid of the pastor? Do we vote? No, here's how we get rid of the pastor right here. You ready? You ready? I'm, I'm going to tell you. Don't show up. The day I show up and no one's here, I'll be like, I guess they voted me out. It's real simple. Someone said, do we vote? We vote every week. You vote on whether or not you're here or not. The problem is, though, the church has become all about preference. I'm looking for, oh, God. Cherokee Connect, I dread it every time. <laughs> looking for a church. <laughs> and I'm like, do not tag us. Do not tag us. Do not tag us. <laughs> but it's funny, they're always looking for a church that meets their needs. I want a rock and roll church. Every church in town is a rock and roll. I don't even know what that means anymore. I want a red book hymnal church. I want this kind of church. I want that kind of church. I don't know what would happen if we just went to God and said, God, it's not about my preferences. Where do you want me? Where do you want me? The church has become about everything and anything but the cause of Christ. It's become about our preferences. You think God's impressed with how big our buildings are? And listen, I love technology. I like the smoke. I like the lights. I like like all the toys we have because I'm a guy. Okay? I don't think God gives two rips about it. I don't think he hates it. I don't think he cares. He wants to know are we loving him and loving others? Are we loving people? People ask me all the time, why did y'all stay down in that building for so long? It's so horrible. Here's why we stay in this building so long. It's cheap. It's cheap. You think I want to take the offerings every week and have to pay for a building instead of paying for impact in our community? Mm-mm. I don't care. Now everybody's like, it's funny. Why, why do you stay down there? Now that the, the building's sold and it's going to get demolished, where are you going? I don't know. I priced out tents the other day. Let's be honest. I found a red and white tent like a circus tent. It was awesome. You can put air conditioning in those things. Got a guy in the church that owns a Portageon company. We'll stick those over in the corner. Someone said, Are you serious? I'm dead serious. If that's what God has for us. Because we ain't about the building. Care. Church ain't the building, church is the people. Here's the church, here's the people, open it up, and here's the people. <laughs> We're about Jesus. And when the church stays focused on Jesus, 
it's hard for Christians to suck because Jesus don't suck. He said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It makes no sense that this church still exists. We have broken every rule in having a church. We started it and met in a parking lot for six months. There ain't no money in this church. We're in the poorest part of our town. I have created such a stink in this community that nobody ought to walk in the door of the church where I pastor. And every time I think it's about to shut down, I'm like, yes, he's releasing me. I'll be dang if he don't come along and do something and we're still good to go. You think the gates of hell can prevail against this place? You must be crazy. See, the problem with the church is the church loses touch with the world. Now, we're not to be in the world, but we're to be of the world. We have to be of We live in it, and we lose sight of that. The other problem is so many Christians think they can make it without church. I don't think you got to go to church to be a Christian. You don't. You don't. But I'll tell you this. If you're a Christ follower and church is not a part of your life, you're missing a huge ingredient in your life. The Bible says in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There's power that happens when we gather together. There's encouragement that happens when we come together. There's refreshment that happens when we come together. I'm so glad some of you are watching online, and I am glad that we had the technology for you to watch on, and I get some of you are watching from Ireland today, and some of you are watching from Wisconsin today, and probably your family. If you're from Wisconsin, don't ever watch again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, but if you're local... And I get sometimes you got to watch them, but there's something powerful about coming. And now here's the deal. I know some of you don't want anyone to know you listen to me every week. So you think it's discreet online, but it's not. I can pull up the log and see you watched. So just come on in. It's safer to come in. Problem with the, the churches, people start thinking the church is for them. I tell you from day one, man, we don't do insider church. We do outsider church. We have the opposite effect Someone said, how do I become a member? We don't do membership here. Here's the problem with membership. When I become the member of something, I feel like I get benefits from it. If I'm a member of the golf course, I get to go play golf. Supposedly, I don't play golf, so I don't know. Oh, this is more along my, my line right here. When I become a member at Sam's Club, I get some benefits of that. I can buy four things of ketchup at one time. Mm-hmm. Benefits. I get to eat the best $1.50 hot dog ever made. Mmm, that's good preaching. Me and Christina, oh, never mind, y'all know about that. We've been on Sam's dates. Okay? Pizza. What cost us, $9, Christine? Right in my budget. So when you become a member of something, you expect something in return. So we're not doing membership here because when you decide to be part of this place, you lose your benefits. You say, what do you mean? What I mean is it's no more longer about you. It's about everybody out there. We come together, and then we go change the community. That's our job. It's not about us. I'm actually going to be hanging out here in the next series on this verse. It's called Back to the Basics. We're going to hang out here all four weeks. All the believers were together. This is right when the new church started, the New Testament church started. And they had everything in common. They sold their possessions and the good, and they gave to everyone as they had need. I'm not saying we're starting a cult and you've got to sell everything and give to everyone. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is they were unified in their vision to reach everybody else. We as Christians suck because we forget some things. We forget who we're supposed to be. We forget how we're to treat others. And we forget the purpose of the church. And when you forget those three things, you can't do anything but become self-absorbed. You can't become anything but selfish. You can't become anything but about yourself. And when it's all about you, you suck. Guarantee you, most times in your marriage when you're having problems, if you were to honestly step back and look at the problems in your marriage, the problem in your marriage is one of you have become self-absorbed. Happens with Christine all the time. When you're ready to beat your children and they're driving you crazy, if you were to step back and look at the issue, the problem is they become self-absorbed. They think everything's about them. When you're having problems with people at work, normally the problem is they become self-absorbed and think everything at work's about them. 
So when we forget that about us, we forget the truth about us, and we forget the truth about the church, we become self-absorbed. It's impossible for that not to happen, and therefore we suck. So we've got to remember, we're to be set apart, we're to love others, and the church is to impact others. You do that, it's hard to suck. And you'll change your community in the process.